1: on the clock. Asia-Pacific markets are trending lower this morning following another bout of selling on Wall Street overnight. Tokyo is the worst performer. The Nikkei is down 1%. Sydney is trading down 0.7%. Seoul is in the red as well. Joining me now as we break down all the market action is Ryan Huang. How's Friday doing, Ryan?
0: Happy Friday, Michelle. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm glad that uh, it's a lot less cold in the studio today.
0: <laughs> Not as cold as yesterday. I'm very puzzled about these temperature settings.
1: I know, it must be gremlins in the system. But that's you all me wrapped up, up today? Yes, because I, you know, after yesterday I was rigor mortis was setting in. <laughs> we begin this morning with two big corporate stories from the US. One is about the software company Adobe, and the other focuses on the transport giant FedEx. Both stocks are facing major sell-offs, but for very different reasons. Adobe is spending big on its future and many investors think too big, while FedEx is cutting costs In the face of disappointing earnings, I'm going to start with Adobe. It's buying a cloud based software firm called Figma for 20 billion US dollars. That's twice what Figma was valued at just one year ago. And many analysts are wondering why. So, Ryan, let me ask you why is Adobe paying so much for this company? I mean, where's the value?
0: That is the $20 billion question. And that $20 billion deal makes it the largest takeover deal for a private software company. It is that big. And this is a mix of cash and stock, and it is already under scrutiny. Has Adobe paid too much? That is a big question. And if you look at the numbers, there is an argument to be had. Because if you look at Figma's annual recurring revenue it is just $400 million. It's a tiny fraction of what Adobe is um, making, $14 billion. So Adobe effectively is paying 11% of its market value for 2.8% more recurring revenue. So if you look at that, it doesn't look so attractive. But I guess there are other things um, that Adobe might be looking at, which is perhaps synergies, uh, just getting more... Cross selling opportunities because Figma is an online design startup and it has in recent years managed to get more traction, more momentum, especially with the COVID 19 lockdowns. People staying at home, working remotely, collaborating through design remotely. So it's not just the big guys using it, it's also the individual creatives just leveraging these tools. And can you imagine the potential cross-selling that might happen if you use Figma? You can use um, Adobe, other stuff. And you have big firms like Zoom Video, Airbnb, Coinbase. So that is a potential in some sense, goldmine for them to tap into if they can uh, expand those opportunities.
1: Figma's software enables teams to collaborate in real time. It competes head-to-head with Adobe's XD program. So in many respects, the takeover is defensive in nature. Adobe is protecting its turf. It's buying out a competitor. Wall Street hates the deal, at least so far. Adobe shares closed down nearly 17% overnight and they're trending even lower in after-hours trade. So Ryan, what do you think? Is it, is it a smart move here? Is it paying too much?
0: <laughs> I think you have to sit tight for this one. It's going to be something to watch out for in the next few years. It is, in most metrics, uh, I guess sensible in the sense that it does synergize with Adobe. Uh, but I guess... Shareholders have voted with their feet and sold some of Adobe's shares. So on that front, maybe there will be some short-term pain before they see the value coming back.
1: In many ways, Adobe's purchase of Figma goes against the current Wall Street narrative if you think about it. There haven't been any high-profile tech IPOs this year. And there are far more headlines about layoffs than big funding rounds. So no other company was bidding up the price of Figma either, according to media reports. So, as you say, we're going to have to keep an eye on this one. For the moment, at least, Wall Street is definitely not happy with this deal. As I mentioned at the top of the show, another company that Wall Street is not happy with is, one of my favorite, FedEx. It's shutting down offices, putting off new hiring, and has withdrawn its earnings guidance for the year. So what is going on here? Before it seemed like delivery companies were having a great year, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, imagine the deliveries you would get when you were stuck at home. Those were joyful moments. And I think FedEx was one of the companies benefiting from the boom in deliveries. And this time around, like many other companies which benefited from the COVID-19 boom years, is now starting to see that unwind. It's now Cutting costs is withdrawn, its full-year guidance, and it is looking at a softer business backdrop. And this is pretty much what many other companies are talking about, how business is starting to slow down. And it's worth noting, FedEx is a bit of a reflection of how the economy moves because everyone from every industry, uses FedEx. So it's a reflection of how the global economy is moving. So to dive into the details, FedEx will close 90 offices, five corporate locations, and defer hirings. So all in, plus its latest earnings was not exciting enough in fact it failed or missed expectations
1: fedex shares are down 17 percent in after hour trade i'm wondering ryan and i think a lot of other investors maybe as well is fedex the canary in the coal mine could its problems be an indication of worse issues to come for the broader economy its ceo thinks
0: so right yeah it has actually singled out Asia as a specific weakness. And also, of course, challenges elsewhere. We are talking about Europe. Um, That was an underperforming region. And this is what is happening in the way the economy is playing out. A lot of economies are now starting to struggle with the tighter monetary policy settings in many places. And FedEx is feeling the pinch. In fact, in the quarter that is just started for FedEx, they are already signaling that the weekly numbers starting the second quarter are not so good and it's already an indication of what's to come in the quarter that they will report in three months' time. So a reflection of everyone's business not being as high as much in the previous few years.
1: I'm going to turn to broader markets now. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin, by the way. Thank you very much for being with us here on Market View. Yesterday on this show, we talked about the danger of a major railroad strike in the US, one which could have stunted supply chains and really caused inflation in the US to spike even higher. Well, the good news is this morning that the railroads and their unions appear to have reached a deal after 20 hours of talks. What's the latest on this front?
0: 20 hours of talks. That's a marathon. And this is, I guess, bearing some fruit because we have a tentative deal. So that strike is now averted. So that's great news. And I guess a bit of a relief for President Joe Biden and many of his officials who were involved. So both sides have reached a bit of a compromise. And you have to take a step back and look at what was the big reason. It was about work conditions, being underpaid, and just being too stressed at work because travel demand really came back big time and they were not equipped enough with um, resources, people and whatnot. So now they have reached a deal um, that will see a core concern being addressed in the form of attendance policies. So previously, employees were apparently fired for taking time off beyond their existing paid leave for, for example, taking an MC for doctor's visits. So now there's more leeway for them to take time off. So that seems to be some comfort to these um, unions and the members will now have to decide whether to ratify it in the form of a vote. So this will now give them some breathing room about several weeks before unions can strike again. So it's a bit of a breathing room. It's not over yet. So they will likely have to iron out something more Solid in that sense, before this is a chapter they can close. Massive
1: disruption averted. 40% of the U.S.'s long distance trade is moved by rail, I discovered. In other news, there is a new touch point for U.S. Chinese tensions. The Biden administration is issuing a new order that will block Chinese investments in U.S. technology. China is not specifically mentioned in the executive order, doesn't have to be if you ask me, but it clearly is focused on key parts of Xi Jinping's made-in-China 2025 drive. Tell us more. So which companies or which sectors are likely affected?
0: Yeah, It's a very familiar tune, and this is around national security. And In this case, the U.S. says it wants to protect private data on citizens. This has been a bit of a focal point in the past few years. And like you mentioned, it's another proxy for tensions. So what we are looking at is the U.S. identifying how some areas are very critical to the economic growth for America. And we are looking at sectors like microelectronics, artificial intelligence, biotech, biomanufacturing, quantum computing, advanced clean energy, climate adaption technology. So these are potentially growth engines for the future, especially for America. So to give, I guess, a foreign country or foreign power access to these technologies is something they are quite concerned about and something they want to block. So this is possibly going to mean um, anyone or any app, for example, that will be using or has access to data, private data, will be more scrutinized. And right at the top of the table is an app called TikTok because Mm -hmm. it is Chinese-owned. And it has a huge popularity in the US. So we can imagine what might happen if some of the data is used for wrong reasons.
1: This particular order has been anticipated for months. So now it's here. We'll crunch the details, I'm sure, for the next couple of shows as well. In other news, retail sales in the U.S. grew more strongly than expected last month, up 0.3% after contracting in July. The markets did not greet this news warmly, though. NASDAQ fell 1.4%. S&P 500 dropped by more than 1% as well. So why is that? Is this... Another case of good news being actually bad news. Retail sales growing strongly.
0: Yeah, it is a tough week for investors who have been through a bit of a whipsaw rollercoaster ride. So it was being rattled by the CPI numbers and then things stabilized with the producer price numbers. And then now you have a mixed bag of data. And the latest comes through with the retail sales numbers headlining the mixed bag. And you have, I guess to some extent, Positive data, Americans are spending. It's up 0.3% in August, showing that Americans, despite surging inflation, are still splashing on some things. And this seems to be on vehicles. Higher spending on vehicles was a main driver for the August uh, tick-up. And if you exclude business at gas stations, sales actually rose 0.8%. So this is actually quite a decent um, month for retail sales. But on the flip side, if the economy is doing quite okay, the Fed has a confidence to hike rates even more. And I think that is what the markets are feeling or setting the price in, that maybe the Fed will be more confident of a larger rate hike or more rate hikes in the coming Well, months. All right.
1: We're not going to guess how high that next rate hike is going to be. 100 basis points? No, we're not going to guess. Time for a game of up or down, though. You know how this is played. I name an asset or an item in the news, and we all see which way it's moving. Ryan, let's start with ticket prices at Changi Airport for those of us departing from Singapore.
0: It is going up. I guess it's not a surprise because pretty much everything is going up. So what is going up? is the fees passengers have to pay and the levies, the aviation levy in particular, will be increased for the first time in 13 years. So right now, people pay about 52 30 and this is comprising a bit of passenger service and security fees, aviation levies and airport development levy. So that will now go up to fifty-nine twenty from November the 1st and in phases continue to creep up. So pretty much reflecting higher costs of managing these, um, airports.
1: Yeah. IATA surprise the International Air Transport Association, and it's questioned the timing of these hikes, it says, given the nascent recovery of the regional aviation market. So airline tickets set to rise. Changi Airport is going to start imposing higher fees starting November 1st. It'll cost you more the later you book. So that's an up for prices, but that's definitely a down in my book. So what do you make of this, Ryan? Uh
0: well, the first time in thirteen years, I guess it had to come at some point. And if you look at the reasons being cited by um, CAS for this increase, it is to fund operations as well as to rebuild Singapore's position as a global air hub post pandemic. So you do have a very strong, I guess, uh, factor being cited as uh, justification. So. This needs money, and I guess passengers have to pay and just take it in their stride.
1: So you pay fifty-two thirty now for these passenger service security fees, air vi- aviation levy, and airport development levies. But between April twenty twenty-four and March twenty twenty-five, that fifty-two thirty figure becomes sixty-five dollars and twenty cents that you'll have to pay. And I think the people who are going to feel this are the people who are looking for the budget airlines because mm. they want to save on their costs. So it's going to be more apparent because it's going to be a bigger chunk of, of what you have to pay for an air ticket.
0: Yeah, Michelle, here's a tip for you. So it starts on November the 1st. And <laughs> if you get your tickets issued before November the 1st, you will not have to pay the higher fees and that.
1: Can I get my... my-
0: Travel sorted
1: uh, all the way up to 2025.
0: And next year.
1: (laughs) Why not? Public sector support for the finance industry, Ryan. How's that looking?
0: All right, that is looking good. In fact, uh, we are looking at a huge boost for the sector. The MES is unveiling $400 million in grants to help develop talent in the finance sector. Mm. And this will help with creating over 3,000 jobs a year for the industry.
1: That's right. It's a good time to be in the finance sector. Do you think this will be good news, Ryan, for Singapore's banks?
0: Well, definitely because we talk about a shortage of talent in many industries Mm -hmm. and um, the finance industry is one of them because of how things are evolving so fast. In fact, this year, we've already seen a few digital banks being launched and it's all about data and we've heard as well how IT talent, especially in the data front, is in short supply in Singapore. So maybe this could go some way towards just addressing that shortage. Yesterday
1: on this show, we talked about Zara and how its profits are unexpectedly strong despite the inflation headwinds. So what about its competitor H&M? How's it doing, up or down?
0: It's a down. Mm -hmm. So on the other hand, you've got H&M missing because it says Mm -hmm. shoppers are tightening their belts with what's playing out. Elsewhere with their expenses, so third quarter net sales at H and M were up three percent from a year earlier. This is slower than the five percent that market watchers were expecting. So a bit of a disappointment, a bit of a weak start, and I guess partly because H and M has a huge bulk of its business in Europe which, as you would know, is going through a tougher time than other regions.
1: H&M not doing as well as Zara, and it is reporting lower than expected quarterly
0: sales. All right, let's look at
1: C Limited, Ryan.
0: Okay, C is a down because it's in a sea of red. So it is with the headline that its top management, including its CEO, Forrest Lee, is not taking any salary I think indefinitely because he says he will go without his pay until things stabilize at sea. As a reflection of how the cost cutting is now starting to get underway because the business is under pressure. It's a huge growth startup and rising interest rates and whatnot is just putting a pressure on these high growth startups in terms of fundraising. People are just not interested in going to um, them as much as before. And you've got these spending pressures finally catching up on them. They've been spending big time on marketing Mm. and they are now under pressure to break even. So that is also playing out. So down for C for now.
1: So, I mean, it's a sign that C is undergoing tough times that its billionaire CEO is saying he will forego his salary. But I think it's a good move what he's doing. So I'm going to give C... And up. Let's look at the gap.
0: All right, gap has been in the news because of Kanye West, their longtime collaborator. So I would go with down because it's over. And this is with Kanye West's easy label, a huge public spat, both sides just throwing words at each other. And I like this headline that I saw mm. easy come, easy go. Oh saw that one coming.
1: Yesterday we talked about how Kanye West is planning to go solo, cut out the middleman in his apparel ventures, and yes, we have confirmation. So they are parting ways, The Gap and Kanye West. Regardless of what you think of Kanye, I think this is going to be a down for The Gap. Let's look at the Chinese yuan.
0: All right, Chinese yuan, I would go with down because it has weakened quite a lot in the past year, in fact nearly against a greenback. Mm -hmm. And overnight, it has just broken past the psychological level of 7. Yep, And it will be a down for me. So what's going to be worth watching out for next is how this spills over into the commodity space because of how China is a huge buyer of raw materials. And when things are more expensive, priced in US dollars, for example, raw materials, it might see them cut back on buying these big um, bulk raw material purchases. And then demand goes down and prices of commodities goes down. So that's the next thing to watch out for. In
1: fact, it's the first time in two years that the offshore Chinese renminbi has fallen past the seven mark vis-a-vis the US dollar. So that is a sign of China's economic struggles and rising interest rates in the
0: US. SGX, Ryan. I am going with a down as well for SGX. So this is with UOBK and Cutting its price target because it sees a lack of near-term catalysts for SGX. So it's cutting its price target to $10.04 versus $10.85 previously.
1: Yeah, down for me as well. UOBK here and downgrading SGX so it no longer thinks the stock is a buy, which explains which direction is moving in my books. Let's check in on how stocks are doing this morning. We are now 29 minutes into the local trading day. Jardine Matheson led the Straits Times Index higher yesterday as it rebounded from losses the day before. The SDI rose 0.3% to finish just shy of 32.68. How exactly are blue chips doing this
0: morning, Ryan? Pretty much tracking what's happening across the region, it is underwater right now, or at least just managed to get back into the green, by 0.06%, 3,269. And looking across the board at the 30 constituents, pretty much split across the middle. At the bottom, you've got Semcorp Industries down by 0.9%, Dev down 0.8%, and Maple Tree Industrial Trust down 0.8%. Eight percent, and we were talking about SGX. After that target price cut by UOB, the target price at 10:04 is now down, 0.2 percent at 953. At the top of the table, we have Gunting Singapore, up nearly 4.4 percent at 83 cents, followed by Yang Jiang Shipbuilding and Comfort Delgro. So that's the picture we have so far. Thanks very much. She's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.
1: To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.